Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. This is episode 231, and today we're going to be talking about the world and how it came to be in the condition it was after the Tower of Babel. Uh, God disinherited the nations of the world after the rebellion, the collective rebellion at the Tower of Babel. And just so you know, kind of the game plan here, episodes 231 and 232 and 233 are designed as a unit. It's going to present a lot of information you may not have even heard before, and so it's kind of hard to digest, but if you put it all together as a unit, it will help you. And then when we're done with these three episodes, 231 to 233, we are going to re-air two episodes from Daniel chapter 10, and it should help Daniel chapter 10 come quite a bit alive to you when we do that. So, quick review. We've just gone through Genesis chapters 10 and 11. In Genesis 10, we had the table of the 70 nations. And in Genesis 11, we have the Tower of Babel. But 10 is almost, uh, it describes the descendants of Noah and his sons, and it goes right up through the various formations of the nation. So Genesis 10 has part of it pre-Tower of Babel and post-Tower of Babel. But in Genesis 10.32, it says, These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations, or people groups. And by these, the nations divided the earth after the flood. Okay, so the nations were divided after the flood. Now I'm going to be giving you a lot of scriptures, and you may even want to run back through these episodes a couple of times trying to find these scriptures in your own Bible. But in Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, it says, And he made from one every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their habitation. So step one, after the Tower of Babel, you have the division of the nations, and there were 70 nations for that. Now we're going to get into something that you might be unfamiliar with, and it's this. God has chosen to rule the world through subordinates. God is absolutely 100% sovereign of everything that goes on in this world, in fact, the entire universe, but he has chosen to use subordinates to rule the world, and he calls these subordinates who are members of what is called the divine council, he calls them sons of God, and he delegates to them geographic authority and rulership. I'm going to give you a couple of key texts for this. In Sirach chapter 17 and verse 17, and 
you know, I kind of feel like the book of Sirach gets ignored a bit since it's not in Protestant Bibles and you just don't hear too much about it. But this is an important verse. Sirach 17, verse 17, he appointed a ruler for every nation, but Israel is the Lord's own portion. And what this is saying in very condensed form is that God used members of the divine council to rule over all of the nations except Israel, and that's where God directly was the sovereign ruler over Israel and working his plan of redemption that way. Now we come to a very key verse in what I'm going to be sharing today and the next several episodes, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 8. I'm going to read from the Revised Standard Version, the Catholic edition, which is an accurate translation of Deuteronomy 32.8. A number of older translations mistranslate this verse, and so you don't even see what's going on. Let me read it for you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, this was the dispersion of the peoples after the Tower of Babel, he fixed the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. And again, the sons of God are members of the divine council. Like we read of this in the first chapter of the book of Job. Job chapter 1 and verse 6 says, There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. In other words, God is ruling through the sons of God. And I'm just going to get ahead of myself for a second. Some became very rebellious. Okay. Now, in Deuteronomy 32.8, a number of older translations like the Dewey Reams and the King James say the sons of Israel instead of the sons of God says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, there wasn't an Israel, okay? Israel started after this period of history, and the English Standard Version, which is a great new version, there's a Catholic edition of that put out by the Augustine Institute, the New American Bible, the RSV, get it right, the New International Version gets it wrong, and why am I saying this? Well, this is just a little technical, but minor differences like this in the text of the Bible depend on the manuscript evidence. And for the majority of the Old Testament, there's a good family of manuscripts called the Masoretic Text, and it dates from around the ninth century. But if you're hearing my voice, you've been living in a new age of text from the Old Testaments due to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And if you look in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are about a, over a thousand years older than the Masoretic text, it will say sons of God. And so new translations like the English Standard Version are using what was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. In fact, there's a manuscript on this in Qumran K4, and it's sons of God. Now, why is this important? 
because unless you understand this and have a proper translation of Deuteronomy 32, you'll have a very difficult time understanding the history of the world. You'll have a very difficult time what's going on in our world right now and what your place is in it. That, those are big things, and it really comes down to seeing what's going on in the world. Now, Michael Heiser, who I've described before, he's an evangelical, doesn't say everything perfect for a Catholic sense, but he has a good handle on what was happening both before the flood, the days of Noah, as well as right afterwards. And he says this, Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 through 9, is fundamental for understanding the worldview of Old Testament Israel. That's why I've spent so much time getting the proper translation. At Babel, Yahweh, like a father, dismissing and disinheriting his children, judges all the nations for their disobedience. And this is referring to Genesis 11, the rebellion at the tower. Then, in the very next chapter, that's Genesis 12, he calls Abraham effectively starting over and creating an earthly human family for himself. And so, part of this, he's going to let the nations go. Now, I have an interesting collection of both church fathers, uh, philosophers, and an interesting Greek philosopher who all talk about this reality. This is something that's been lost to moderns that was very common in the ancient world. For instance, Philo of Alexandria was a very famous Jewish philosopher, obviously living in Alexandria, and he said this, God set boundaries of nations according to the number of the angels of God, and the portion of the Lord became his people. That's Jacob, the lot of his inheritance, Israel. So in other words, Israel was marked out different, right under God's rulership, whereas the nations, in a sense, that rebelled against God were left to go their way. This is what the church father Clement of Alexandria said, quote, this is he who bestows on the Greeks also their philosophy through the inferior angels. In other words, Clement of Alexandria, along with much of the ancient world, realized that a lot of the knowledge that humans received was from the sons of God, and it wasn't all good necessarily. He's saying this is where the Greeks got their philosophy. The Babylonians got their military might and knowledge of engaging in warfare and knowledge of all kinds of sciences and construction of things from these inferior angels. He goes on to say, for by an ancient and divine ordinance, angels are assigned to the different nations. Now, here's one from Plato. I'm not a big Plato fan. I know I'm probably a minority on this in Catholic circles, but this is something which I find very perceptive by Plato. In the days of old, the gods had the whole earth distributed among them by allotment. Now, different gods had their allotments in different places, which they set in order. And just so you know, what happened is that the Gentile nations started worshiping these rebellious uh, sons of God, members of the divine council, 
and they worship them as gods. This is, this is the idolatry of the ancient world. I don't know exactly when members of that divine council rebelled against God, but we do know when we get to Daniel 10, and that's why I'm going to be re-airing those two episodes on Daniel 10, we read that the prince of the kingdom of Persia, now it says the prince of the kingdom of Persia, it's not talking about the king's son, it's talking about the son of God given authority over a geographic area, namely the kingdom of Persia. And this angel had come to Daniel and said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, so I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia. In other words, spiritual warfare in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament has a whole lot to do with the sons of God who rebelled, even though they had authority over the nations, God let the nations go their way. It's very much like Romans chapter one. If mankind was determined to go their way, one of the most frightening judgments is that God simply takes his foot off the brake and lets the nations go in the direction they want. And this is kind of a dual rebellion, both the sons of God and the nations under their authority leave the path of God and plunge themselves into darkness. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 231 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.